Welcome to The Theater Project. Today, The Theater Project is thinking about a double life. Only a minority of actors, directors, and playwrights live their lives signing autographs beside swimming pools or in penthouses. The vast majority will juggle side-by-side careers for most of their working lives. Three careers if they're raising a family. In this episode, Harry Patrick Christian and Mark Spina reflect on lives spent straddling that particular fence. We hope you enjoy. Harry Patrick Christian. Mark Anthony Spina. So good to see you. You too, my friend. I get to see you. The people listening to the podcast only get to hear you. Well, that might be a blessing today. It's, <laughs> it's the dead of winter and my milk-like pallor. <laughs> uh, I wanted to start this conversation off by revisiting a very clear memory I have of a bunch of us who were mature even then. This is 15, 20 years ago, sitting around a table at my house. Uh, you were there. Rick Delaney was there. Several of our friends were there. I asked the question, if you had known at 20 that a life in the arts was not going to be limousines and champagne and penthouses in New York, but it was going to be constantly juggling two careers one in the arts and one that pays the bills, would you still have chosen to do this? And while everyone else was thinking, Rick Delaney said, yes, like a gunshot. And and we know Rick, the consummate actor, whether it was two careers or three careers or five careers, Rick would never have stopped acting. Never. uh, We loved him for many things, but that commitment and dedication in the face of having to work many, many day jobs over the years, doing extra work, climbing off and on the wing of that plane in the Hudson River to film the movie about Captain Sully. Rick's dedication to this life, with whatever sacrifice it took, was incredible. And I think, although Rick answered first, I think the rest of us all said, absolutely, ultimately, I would still have chosen to pursue this. So I I think it's uh, something to reflect on and I know you and I both have experience in this area. Uh, and of course, uh, working women have always had this challenge. Maybe it's just new to me or something I did not expect going into the arts when I was 20. So looking back, looking back on your long career, Harry, how does it strike you now? How does it strike me now having, being a teaching artist as well as an actor yes. slash director? On some level, I think I always... And I think I may have said this back with this conversation with Rick, that I always thought I was going to be doing some kind of teaching as well anyway, that any kind, any form of arts that an artist goes into, I think part of it is being mentor to upcoming artists, whether they're painters or actors or musicians. I think that's sort of built into the life and the personality of an artist. I think your love of it is so great, whatever art it is you're pursuing, that you want people to be uh, studying it and loving it as much as you do. So in in some ways, you're already uh, steered towards being a teacher in in some format, whether it's a director or a coach, you know. And I heard the actress Diane Baker talking about Robert Osborne, who was the host of Turner Classic Movies, and how he had been a big influence at a certain point in her career when the acting roles were not coming as frequently. And he suggested that she go into teaching. 
acting. And she became a very popular and prolific professor at, I believe, UCLA for the, for the latter part of her life. You know, she had this whole other career as an acting teacher, professor in universities and colleges. What I, what I think of it now is it's also a blessing that you there is just as many rewards from my perspective in uh, teaching as there are in acting. Many of the same tools are required, I think, to do both. I think actors, directors, theater people are great communicators is what we spend our lives focusing on. And that's a wonderful skill for a teacher to have. I kind of tripped accidentally into teaching because I was volunteering at an adult learning center and I really found that I loved it. It has been a, a great source of pride and joy over the years. And it also enabled me to keep money coming in when the theater money wasn't keeping me going. So that's right. And I always felt that teaching taught me more about the theater and theater taught me more about teaching. Sometimes even more than the training that was intended for each specific track. Can you elaborate on that a little bit or give me an example of what you mean? Well, I, I noticed that my teacher training wasn't always helping me tell the story my students needed to hear. Whereas my theater training was helping me, how do I guide their focus? How do I keep their attention? How do I, how do I tell the story of this lesson or intended story that they need to hear in order to get what they need from today's class. Whereas my teacher training taught me a lot about how to work with actors and how to support actors, because that was the focus of my teacher training was how do you support a student to be successful? And that's been my focus as a director. How do you, how do you support the actor in being as successful as possible in whatever role they're playing? So, so for me, I was lucky to have two cross-pollinating careers now, I know for Rick and Gary, their day jobs were extremely different. They were working in administrative capacities where I'm sure they're, they're theater savvy, that quickness on your feet, that theater encourages and the creative thinking, I'm sure were greatly appreciated. I'm not sure if the rewards were as, I mean, I always feel lucky that I think teaching is a very rewarding, I don't want to say second career, but partner career. I know there are many people who, who I think have second careers that are not as rewarding. And yet uh, yes, sure that's true. their dedication to the arts is such that they make that sacrifice. I, I knew a, a dancer in a Broadway show who had a, an office job during the day just so he could make his mortgage payments. Because even the Broadway show salary wasn't secure enough or enough money to pay the mortgage on the house and the kids and everything else that he needed. Yes, I, I think that's what... You know, a lot of people don't realize that even if you are a full-time working artist, that sometimes that income is still not enough to sustain a reasonable lifestyle, especially if you live in the Northeast or, you know, even L.A. or Chicago. Any big city is very expensive, and uh, that's that's just the reality of it. So I think a lot of people, not just artists, a lot, a lot of people have more than one job, especially these days. But as you said, I feel that you and I are especially fortunate in, in that we are, are the two careers interlock. I'm what they call a teaching artist. I don't go and I don't teach in the schools every day, all day, uh, like the, the saints that do, <laughs> because that's what I consider them. I think teaching is one of the, is if not the most valuable job, uh, certainly one of, and the least appreciated sometimes. 
But a, and a really good teacher has to have the aspects of a good performer. You have to be engaging. You have to hold your students' attention. Sometimes you have to improvise. The best teachers that I recall, the ones that made huge impressions on me, often shut the book, shut the textbook, and just communicated with us. And many of them had personality traits, like some of my favorite performers, that I adopted as my own. Physical characteristics, raising eyebrows, things like that. They made huge influence on me, these teachers, as, as do I find a lot of performers for people that go into the arts. I think, but oh, sorry. go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, you know, I love the movie Sister Act. Uh, you know, is it a great, profound film? Well, no, but what is profound about it is it tells the journey of an artist who is not having great success, but she finds a way where her, for her artistry and her love of performance to enliven her community, to lift her community, and the joy that she takes in that, the pride she takes in being able to share her skills with those almost tone-deaf nuns at the beginning. You're talking about Mary Wicks. Yeah. And then she, <laughs> she transforms them into an effective singing ensemble. And the, the satisfaction that she takes in that, yeah, you know, has been, it makes me think of so many people in the arts who are enlivening their communities and contributing their, their very significant talents to their community in ways that are totally unrecognized and unsung. And I think that's something that when you're 20, that's not somehow in your consciousness. Uh, you just have this passion, this, this love of something that you want to pursue and life takes you down many interesting paths as you go forward. Yes, and I think when you're young and you're pursuing the arts, of course, everybody's goal is on you know the top that you're, if you're a young male actor of my age, you know, you think you're going to be Tom Cruise. Uh, and as you say, life takes you down different paths. And suddenly, even your desires for, say, fame may change. You may not decide. You may decide you don't want that level of fame and constant recognition. Oh, but you take it. You can get it, Harry, darling. Well, I think anybody would take it if they could get it. But you start to realize the realities of, of what it would take to have that kind of career. Yes. A lot of people, you know, obviously opt out, whether they're conscious of it at the time. But I think later on in life, you realize, oh, well, I probably just didn't really want that. Or I didn't want to give up that you went along, you know. I think there are things that you give up that you, you, may, uh, you may not want to give up some of the things it takes to get there. Yeah. And there are positives and negatives there, but let's not go there. Let's be positive. I just read a great interview. Matt Damon was interviewing Ben Affleck. Now, they, they were... This, before their careers started, were very young and aspiring and moving up together. And then they've reached a level of fame on the level of a Tom Cruise, you know. But Ben Affleck was saying uh, he, he realized that fame was going to be a negative aspect of his life if he wanted to, to do what he wanted to do, which was make movies. That was his passion, making movies. The rest of it, you know, and he said at one point in his life, he was at the worst possible place you could be in an actor's career. You could sell a lot of magazines, but you can't sell a ticket to a movie. Hmm. You know, that's that's the kind of celebrity fame that's toxic and, and it is a risk of becoming for anybody. Right. I think, uh, especially in this day and age of, you know, the social media thing where everybody's filming everything. And it seems like everybody's pursuing some kind of level of recognition. But we're getting off topic. So the realization comes 
at some point in your young life that if even if you are achieving, I remember it was, well, there was a point where I was doing four or five plays a year at different companies here when New Jersey theater scene was really had a lot of theaters going, especially here in the northern New Jersey area. And you had a lot of options for auditioning for shows and being in different shows. And um, but even then working round the clock with an equity contract, I still needed extra income. And I was fortunate enough that working with Pushcart Players, I had started as an actor, but they also had an education division that I got to segue into where I was able to become a person that goes into churches, schools, temples, <laughs> police department, for, in, as another example, and conduct drama workshops or steer the students into playwriting or directing their own shows or musicals. And I found it ex just as rewarding as performing. I think the other thing that we struggle with is that we live in a society that defines you by how much money you make and how you make it. So many of us who think of ourselves as theater people first and administrative assistants, lawyers, teachers, waiters, second, you know, the society still defines us as, well, you are your paycheck. And I mm -hmm. think that theater is a, a great counterbalance to that in our society, that you have people who are defining themselves not by what they make or how much they make or where the money comes from. They define themselves by what they, their chosen passion. That's how they define themselves. I am, a, Rick, I am an actor first, second, and third, no matter where my income is coming from. And I think that that is a, a very much needed balance in a materialistic society, to have people who define themselves by what they love, by what their passion is. And I think that's what the arts contribute. It's not just yes. the painting on the wall or the play that we go to see or the film. It's the fact that you have people in the world whose imagination comes first, who's, you know, who are pursuing their passion and their imaginations to see where that can take them. It just makes for a more creative and I think empathic society. Yes. And I believe that all the things that are part of that in the arts, Rick was able to bring into his job in the fashion industry as well. I, I think it works hand in hand. You know, actors always say that whatever you do in life, whatever you've learned, whatever other jobs you may have had, whatever hobbies you have, you can use them all in your acting. They all somehow will eventually, it seems like, come into play where you can use whatever you know about a given subject outside of performing. And I think that it's also true of all the arts, that the benefits of, that, of the arts you can bring into whatever else you're doing. Well, I think we both agree, Harry, that having artists in the community means that you have these creative and empathic forces working alive in your neighborhood. And so I think that it's not just that we want to bring the arts to our communities, but we want to have artists in our community. We want to have actors and directors and painters and writers, people who are thinking creatively about all kinds of things in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our politics. Without the arts, people don't develop, I don't think people develop those skills in quite. Oh, they don't. It's been proven that the uh, arts help in every subject uh, in school. You know, I just did a series of workshops with the New Jersey Performing Arts Center where, you know, it's a reality, unfortunately. So much reality has become a cliche that the first thing that gets cut in funding in schools is the arts. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it's 
something that should not happen, but it does. And at this time, coming out of the pandemic, where the students are really, really hurting, and you know, for instance, we we were shown a chart where this year students that are seniors this year are actually at a ninth grade learning level because of the past two years of the pandemic shutdown, and it trickles down. Eleventh grade is at eighth, tenth, seventh, so on, so forth, and. The good news is that it's been proven that the arts can snap students back quicker than any other educational tool in getting them back on track and back where they were, back to where they should be. You know, a 12th grader should be at a 12th grade learning level or higher. And through the arts, we can achieve that. We can get them back quicker than without it. The key is to get the public to agree. Yeah, and the SAT College Board has done some really remarkable uh, research, and they have found huge correlations between arts participation and improved SAT scores, that kids who report having participated in the arts or having arts participation you know, in their curriculum, they usually score an average of 35 points higher on math and verbal, at least. So it's been documented, and it should seem so obvious that any project that involves a synthesis of every, every element of your being, you know, what you can see, hear, taste, smell, think, you are synthesizing all of those elements, and you are making critical judgments about every step of the way. Of course, it would increase your mental ability. It's just convincing the system to put the money behind that is a challenge. And not just your mental abilities, it's also your social interaction, the the peer relationship building, the team building, the social interaction. And I think everyone that's done a school play would talk about the, the pride that you feel within yourself, not just a school play, a, a choir concert, and you know, a band concert, a science project fair where you you know you're getting lauded for the work that you did the feeling that's within a student is incomparable to any other feeling and that sense of self pride is 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 incredibly valuable and i think that also comes with the arts as well i mean I, we've all seen it how a cast can become a family a cast of people from such disparate uh, social groups in high school for instance they may never be in the same classes or associate with each other until they are cast in a play or a musical together. And then suddenly all those walls and those borders that they've put up, the artificial borders of, you know, (laughs) high school society fall away and they all become. The team building is, I think, so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. I'm torn when I talk to young people. I'm, I'm torn. You know, do you want them to split their focus or do you want that to be something that happens later? I mean, do you want to tell someone graduating from college, well, think about having a second career with your theater career, or do you want them? Is that something that happens at 25 or 30? What kind of advice, Harry, would you give someone coming out of college about dealing with the possibility that you may need two careers? Your temporary job may have to be, may have to be a train that runs throughout your life, just as, you know, I mean, women have known this for years. You're going to have to be a mother and the bank president or the lawyer or whatever, those two careers will have to run side by side. Well, you know, Mark, you're absolutely right about women, but I think the the kids that are coming up today have grown up in a world where they've seen their fathers and their mothers have more than one job. And I would say, what advice would I give? I would say, please, please, please do not give up your passion for whatever it is, whatever your passion may be. 
uh, if it's acting, singing, race car driving, whatever it is, if that's your passion, you should not sacrifice it because you're not going to be able to make a living at it. I think you should continue continue to pursue it. You never know, uh, but be prepared and a lot time for a, a job that's going to make money for you so that you can continue to do this. Hopefully something will happen and you can just pursue your entire life and, and 24 seven towards your passion. But the reality of everyone's life these days is that cost of living is high <laughs> for us to pursue all the things that we want, that what we pursue that as a normal status of living is expensive and it's only becoming more expensive. And if, if you're realistic, you'll know that you're going to have more than one job at any given stage of your life. And the trick is to find all that. Hopefully all those jobs will be something that you have an interest in and a passion in. And if you can tie them together, all the better. But don't be discouraged if, you know, your passion is not the job that is bringing in the income at first. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone in this day and age, I wouldn't think. But I also know that our education system has never really set up people for the reality of the real world. That's what I believe, at least not in my lifetime. I guess I would say uh, that what the arts, especially theater, what theater teaches you is agility. And I think that the skills you learn in theater will mean that you will be so agile that there will always be another place for you to use those skills if you need to, because you will be so flexible. You will be so nimble, so creative that you will be such a great public speaker. You will be such an effective organizer. Uh, you will have skills that, that business needs, that education needs, and that you will, you will find a way. You will find a way to be who you want to be. You know, I find uh, Essex Youth Theater, which I taught at for many years, what I really liked as one of its objectives was we weren't cultivating performers, singers, dancers, actors. What we really were doing was trying to get pe young people to feel comfortable being up in front of others, to have that confidence, as you said, whether it's to give a speech in class or at your business that you may have 20 years down the road, or just to, to be comfortable in front of others. That is a valuable life tool that you can use no matter what area of business you go into. Just that confidence alone of knowing that you can do it getting up there. And, and if you do it when you're young, and I've seen it with the shyest people who, who some, they get it. I'm not, if I'm playing a character, I'm not myself in a play. Mm -hmm. I'm pretending to be somebody else. So I'm not exposing myself so I don't have to be shy where I am in real life. And that's a great tool to have. Exactly. I also have found that as a performer, having a job that was outside the performing arena or show business arena was a comfort at many times. It's cleared my head in a way to be amongst people who weren't interested in getting up in front of others and performing. And then, of course, cultivating those friendships, they become your audience. <laughs> and they they vicariously feel as successful as, as their friends. Yeah, and we know actors can be exhausting. Well, they can, you know. <laughs> I think being stuck in any one world can be exhausting. True. Whether it's, you know, the big business financial world. I don't know how you can live in that all, all day long. 
those are the people that go to the theater and the movies to get to escape, you know. Again, the idea that theater puts you in a position to see the world from so many different perspectives, from play to play, from role to role. Again, another incredibly valuable skill. Yeah. You know, I did for a period of my life, I was doing some corporate training and mentoring communication skills of, of business executives. And it would sometimes just be a shock to me to realize, well, they never had any training in storytelling. So, of course, their presentations were a total mess because they had never thought about, well, here's how you tell a story from beginning to middle to end. And so that would be what we would work on in their communication skills or putting themselves in the mindset of the customer or the client as opposed to everybody else in my class of MBAs, walking in a different person's shoes for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is fascinating. But, you know, as you said, I, I really do think a lot of people have more than one job today. So it won't be quite as shocking to people to young people coming out of college who have an interest in arts as a career. Mm -hmm. I think they're well prepared for the realities of what's out there. Probably much better than we were growing up. I I believe so. I do believe so. Um, It's a very different world now for everyone. Well, we want to thank uh, Harry. Thank you so much for doing this today. And as the theater project, we want to support artists of all ages. And we hope that, that this conversation is in some way encouraging to those who are thinking about making these decisions for the future or looking for affirmation of decisions they've already made. But thank you, Harry, for being here. And I want to thank our executive producer, Mary Ionelli. Yes. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mark. And, uh, I hope everybody enjoys listening. Have a great, have a great day, Harry. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Theatre Project Thinks About. Join us next month when we meet young playwright Julian Martin and listen to their play, We Are Numbers, which placed third at last year's Young Playwright Competition. Our audio engineer for this podcast was Gary Glore, and our theme music was provided by Gail Liu and Damien DeSandes. Visit thetheaterproject.org to sign up for our mailing list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.